Welcome to The Cap, the college admissions process podcast. In this special episode, we're doing something a little different. Instead of me interviewing a college admissions representative, we have our host, Dale Troy, on the other side of the microphone, who asked me about how the podcast came about and other questions related to my reflections of the first 100 episodes. Dale is the administrator to the Facebook group called College Parent Support Community. We recorded this conversation on her platform using Facebook Live, and I thought it would be fun to share it as a special podcast episode. Interviewing so many college admissions representatives has helped me gain so much valuable insights into what colleges are looking for in their applicants, what makes a successful application, and how the admissions process differs between different schools. So I am happy to share some of my insights with you in this special episode. I really hope you enjoy it, and please don't hesitate to share any thoughts or comments by emailing me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Hello, everyone. This is Dale Troy. Uh, I think I was in here last week, and here I am again. And for those of you who are new, I am the owner of this group. I created it about three years ago, and I love having more and more people come in. So the new people probably don't know me. I'm a college success coach. I work with students after they've decided where they're going to college, and either before they actually get there or any time during college when they're having various challenges. My focus is really on skills and habits for success in college. So that's who I am. But today, I have a wonderful new friend to introduce you to who um, I met through Facebook. His name is Dr. John Durante, and um, I'm going to introduce him briefly and then let you know why I invited him. So uh, Dr. Durante is a graduate of Stony Brook University in Long Island, and he's been the principal of Syosset High School for 13 years. That's a long time. <laughs> in 2016, he was named the best principal on Long Island from the Bethpage Federal Credit Union. And he's also got an award from the PTA Founders Day, as well as the Jenkins Award. I don't know what those are, but obviously he's <laughs> and um the reason that he's here is that we're talking about some, we're talking about college actually. But he started his career at Syosset High School in 1994 as a teacher of world languages. And my first question for, um, can I call you John? Absolutely. <laughs> first question for John is, I know we're, we're talking about college. And obviously, as a high school principal, you're watching students go through the college admissions process. Um, but I know that what really kind of rang a bell for you and got you more involved is when you were helping your own daughters through their college admissions process. So tell me a little bit about that and what that led to. Sure. First of all, thank you so much, Dale, for having me on this Zoom meet. I really appreciate it. I love the work that you're doing, and I'm so glad that we were able to connect. So as you said, I am the principal of Syosset High School on Long Island. I've been there for 29 years. This is my 13th year as the principal. And what led me to create the College Admissions Process podcast was when we were on lockdown during COVID, 
I was introduced to podcasts and I really started listening and I loved podcasts. I still love podcasts because of the on-demand nature of it. There are so many different types of podcasts. And since we had a lot of time at home, I started listening to a lot of them. And I had just finished helping one daughter through the college process who is currently a senior at Fairfield University up in Connecticut. And I was going through helping my other daughter who's currently a sophomore, 15 minutes away from her sister at Sacred Heart University, also in Connecticut. And after the pandemic, I thought it would be a lot of fun to actually do a podcast since I was listening to so many. I don't know if you noticed Dale, but 80% of the podcasts actually fail. So I thought if I'm gonna do this, I have to do something that's first of all gonna help people, that's going to sustain the test of time. So I thought I just went through the process, particularly with my second daughter who had an IEP in high school. School didn't come easy to her. And I had to be one of those parents who got very involved, going to college fairs, calling reps, meeting with reps. And the college admissions representatives were phenomenal. They were so open to my questions and my daughter's questions. And I thought, what if they would come on my show we would talk first about their schools. Then we would talk about the insight. We would want them to give insight in terms of their overall admissions process. And then at the end of the podcast, they would give pieces of advice to students and parents that are in the process or getting ready for it. And I thought, how cool would that be if we could create this podcast? So I actually reached out to nine reps that I got to know pretty well. And immediately seven out of the nine said yes. And then I panicked because at that point in time, Dale, I didn't know how to record. I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know how to get it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and all of those other platforms. And so, of course, like anyone else, I went to Google. I did a lot of searching. And now it, I, I'm just over a year that the podcast is live. There's 101 episodes. I've had over 73,000 downloads. And last month, the month of February, we had 11,276 overall downloads. So it's just been so much fun because, you know, this little idea that my daughter sparked in me has really been helping a lot of parents and students and it's just been an absolute joy. So that's it. That's the story, Dale. Oh, that's wonderful. And I'm, I, I know, I mean, I've been listening too. I haven't listened to 101, but I've listened <laughs> enough to know how valuable they are. And I, I actually like, I'm kind of a little bit surprised, but maybe I shouldn't be that the reps were so willing to come on and kind of like tell the behind the scenes, what's really, what they're really thinking. Um, I mean, I think it's great that they they do, but I guess I kind of always felt it, it was kind of protected territory. So, you know, like, uh, uh, why do you think they're willing to do that? Many of them are alums of the schools that they represent, and their job is to help students and parents through the process. And nowadays, with more and more schools going test optional, and the ease with which to apply to so many schools, thanks to things like the common application that really streamlines the process, College admissions representatives, they're receiving far more applications than ever before. So it's very important for them to get out in front of it, to be open, to be willing to answer questions, and to really explain the myths, the realities of the process to students and parents. And that's what I found when I went through with my daughters. Anytime that I would email them, they would get back to me. And I was always cognizant not to email something that's so simple to find on their website. But if I had questions, they would email me. Once in a while, we actually got on the phone together. So it's really a lesson for all of your students and parents listening that if you have questions that are not easily found on the particular college's website that you're interested in, please reach out to the representatives. They really encourage it. They're awesome. And they're very open to talking to you. 
Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you don't learn anything else from this conversation, that one nugget is really important. <laughs> I, I know when I was doing this, I, I mean, I thought they were kind of off limits. I didn't really think that you should really, you know, it was like, wasn't proper behavior to bother them. So um, that's really good to know. All right, so let's um, dive in a little bit deeper. So I know that you've interviewed 101 admission reps. Can you tell the moms and other and dads who are listening here, like, do you have like a general philosophy or idea of how they should approach the college application? Absolutely. And there's so much that I could say about this. I could go on for hours, but, you know, just because we're limited with time, what I'll do is I'll stop by saying that it's very important to be aware of the different parts of the application, but also to understand the purpose of each and that each piece needs to build on the next one without repeating the information. So for example, the transcript, obviously that lists all the classes that you've taken throughout high school, the rigor, the challenges, it provides of course your grades, and any other trends, any other ramps that you built for yourself over four years. That's the transcript. The activity sheet represents what you did outside of the classroom, whether it's humanitarian efforts, clubs, jobs. And by the way, if you had a job, students, very important to include that on your activity sheet. And there are many students that take on a job, whether it's to help the family or because they're interested in something, they got a job in a particular field, and so they're working. Very important to include that because if you have a part-time job, that might be the reason why you're not part of 8, 10, 12, however many clubs so many students throughout the country are part of. So it's very insightful to add any activity, again, including work. And I emphasize that because in so many of the podcast episodes, when I talk about the activity sheet, that's a common theme that we learned from the reps. So other parts of the application, the standardized test, that of course gives you your score on that one test if you choose to submit them. And I know that we're gonna talk a little bit more about standardized tests. Important to note that your essay, that's your voice. They wanna hear who you are. They wanna know your personality. When you ask a teacher to write a letter of recommendation, they wanna hear about you, but from someone else's voice. So it's very important to try and understand what the admissions counselors are looking for when they review the application and how each part builds upon the next. And what I would add is that the admissions representatives are so accessible, again, so review their school's website, do your homework, and if you have questions on any of this or more, never hesitate to reach out to them. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to share that we've teamed up with Dormco to make your dorm decorating a lot easier. Why Dormco? They offer quality and durability, affordability, and a wide selection for bedding to storage solutions and everything in between for your dorm room. So if you or anyone you know is looking to decorate your dorm, see the affiliate partnership link in the show notes for Dormco, your one stop for stylish, affordable, and quality dorm essentials. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast gets a commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. Thank you all and best wishes. Awesome. So you mentioned the, um, the different parts of the application. I think the thing that the kids are most worried about always is the college essay, because that seems, you know, it's kind of open-ended and they don't really know what 
schools are looking for. So what have you learned about the college essay that you could pass on to us? Well, that's a great question. And again, I'm going to repeat this a lot because it's so important. Keep in mind not to repeat what is in one part in other parts. So for example, the essay, I'm going to give you an example, actually. I just interviewed Michael Cameron, who's the director of admissions at RISD, which is the Rhode Island School of Design. I literally just interviewed him a week ago. I just edited the episode. It's not even live. But I thought he was great because he talked about his school, which is the Rhode Island School of Design. Obviously, it's an art school. And on the activity sheet, the student talked about all of the courses that they took related to art outside of the classroom. They talked about working at a museum, an art museum. It was all about their love of art, right? That's what you got from the activity sheet. In their essay, they basically talked about the fact that they loved art and there was nothing more to it. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, the essay and the activity sheet gave the same message. And that's the message I'm trying to explain, that you have to be very cognizant that every piece of the application has to build and improve upon your marketing package. That's really what the application is. You have to use every piece to enhance your overall application. So Michael, again, the director of admissions at RISD was great. He spoke about that example, but he gave an example that he loved. And it was about, believe it or not, Dale, Krispy Kreme donuts. And he talked about this student who loved Krispy Kreme, but loved going to the Krispy Kreme shop to watch the donuts being made. And every once in a while, there was a donut that the shape didn't quite come out right. It was a little different. And so they would put it off to the side. And in her essay, this kid spoke about she wanted that donut. And the reason why she wanted that donut is because the donut was a little different. But when you tasted it, it still tasted great. It was still sweet. It still brought a lot of joy into her life. And she used that to talk about how that's who she wants to be as a person, right? She wants to just bring joy to people. And so she really gave great insight about her own personality using a simple thing like Krispy Kreme donuts as an example. So that's what I want students to hear and learn about the essay. I'm going to give another example, if I may, which is a common example. If you listen to the podcast episodes, many of the reps, and by the way, I always ask the question, is there an essay topic that left an impression on you? And could you please share? So many of the reps talk about what not to do when I ask that question. And they talk about student athletes and of course, the inevitable injury that happens to so many of them. So it's fine to talk about the fact that you're passionate about soccer, baseball, lacrosse, whatever it is. And it's certainly fine to talk about an injury if you've had one. But don't neglect to talk about how did you reflect on what happened? What was your thought process and how did it change you? How did it shape you for the future? Too many students, they write about, I love soccer, I got an injury, and I couldn't play. That's it. And so it's not really talking about, again, how you reflect, what it meant to you, your thought process, how did it change you, how did it shape you. Another essay example, by the way, is to speak of a grandparent. Great topic. However, what happens is that a lot of times the students spend the entire essay speaking about a grandparent or a family member, and some of the reps actually tease and joke about the fact that they want to admit the grandparent, but they've learned nothing new about the student. So don't forget to explain how, again, you reflected on whatever it is that your grandparent did. Maybe they immigrated from a different country. Maybe they worked really hard to provide for their family. 
What did that mean for you? How did that shape you? How did it change your thought process and who you are as a person today? So those are just some examples, and I'm and I and I hope it's it's helping, Dale. I, I really do. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that was for my three daughters. That was really a hard thing to figure out, but but I I, I agree with you that those just like little stories and how they relate to your character, your you know, personality, what you care about. I mean, that's really what they're looking for, right? They're learning, they want to learn about them as a person. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. On another topic, what do you, what did you learn about how important SAT and ACT scores are? Like, or should kids still be stressing over that? Or, you know, what do you think? So one of the questions that I ask is, and most schools that I interview are in fact test optional. So I actually ask, what is the percentage of students that applied and that were ultimately admitted that did not submit their test scores. And you'd be surprised to know that in most cases, it's about a 50-50 split. But what I would say is that they are still very important and you should absolutely prepare to take the SAT, ACT, frankly, take both, see which one you do better at. And if you fall in the middle 50% of the schools, again, mid 50, submit your score. If you don't fall in the mid 50 of the school's range, don't submit it if they are test optional or test blind, where test blind means that they're not going to look at the score even if you do submit it. But if they're test optional, you fall in the mid 50 and you feel good about your score, submit it. If you don't, then do not. But also be aware that the middle 50% Dale, nowadays is skewed or higher than what it used to be because we have to keep in mind, because here's another thing that, that reps say, kids see the middle 50% of the SAT or the ACT range and they panic because they're higher. The reason why they're higher is because only students that are really happy with their scores are submitting. So that mid 50% range on paper is looking a lot higher. So don't let that scare your students and parents. It's just part of the process. And that's why we have programs like this so that you could understand that point. More and more schools are test optional. But check if you are applying to certain majors in those schools, because another thing that I learned, for example, is that I think it was Syracuse University, they're test optional. But if you're applying to something like, for example, a nursing major or, or an engineering major within those majors, you may need to submit your scores. So it's very important to do your research if you already know what major you're going to be applying for. Okay, that's that's very good advice. So at least having some parameters is helpful, right? The 50%. That's, you know, something that they can actually look at and decide. Um, great. So let me ask you something else. Um, so obviously you had the, your two daughters go through the process in retrospect, and maybe also from listening to all these reps that you interviewed, when do you think families should really start thinking about admissions? What, when does the process really begin? In my opinion, the earlier, the better to really make the best of your high school years. Too many students start thinking about the process when they're a junior. So by the time you're in the middle of junior year, your transcript is almost done, right? Because reps really only see your transcript for ninth, 10th and 11th grade. And there's some schools that don't even look at ninth grade, but that's a whole other story. But the point being, if you wait until junior year, you're already kind of done with your transcript. Same thing with your activity sheet. And the reps will tell you that 
a lot of times they'll see all of a sudden in junior year, someone puts eight, 10, whatever it is, activities in junior year. So they realize that this is someone that didn't plan for the college admissions process. And all of a sudden they're panicking and they're just throwing things in. So what I would say is going into high school or at least in ninth grade to really start thinking about things like the transcript. And what the transcript is, it's something where you're showing the representative how you're building ramps over your four years of high school because they'll see 9th, 10th, and 11th grade. They won't see your grades in 12th grade because by then you've submitted your application and your courses are still in progress, but they will see, in fact, on your transcript courses in progress. So if you understand that early, like in ninth grade, it'll help you to create the best transcript possible as opposed to waking up one day in 11th grade saying, oh, wow, now I have to apply to college. The same is true with the activity sheet. You want to challenge yourself. You want to try different clubs, different activities. And by the way, if you try an activity and you don't like it, that's fine. That's actually good that you try things. You don't like it. Great. Try something else. So just showing the progression, even on the student activity sheet is very important over the four years. So in my opinion, going into high school, understanding that these are things that the colleges are going to be looking at later on is uh, very important. And planning, planning early will also help reduce some of the stress associated, as we know, with the college process, as it gives you more time to prepare, reflect, and frankly, put the best pieces in that application, which I always call the uh, marketing package. Right. So uh, actually, I'm wondering, are public schools doing something specific for freshmen now? Like, does your school have a program where they you start talking about these issues, uh, these concerns in freshman year? We do. My guidance department is one of the best in the country and beyond. No question about it. And they have what's called a comprehensive guidance approach, which means that there are programs for parents from ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, and even 12th grade, you know, whether it's a financial aid night, whether it's a college application night, whether it's helping with an essay, whatever it is, every year there are programs for parents to help you through the overall progress. The other thing that a lot of schools do, such as mine, is, for example, if you want to be considered for National Honor Society when you're a senior, one of the requirements is that you need to have two activities in ninth grade and 10th grade and 11th grade and 12th grade, a minimum of two activities. So one of the reasons for that is because, you know, we want you to be well-rounded to be considered for honor society, but we also know that that's also going to help you on your activity sheet portion of the college process. So, right. yes. Right. So I, I'm just thinking that some parents may not realize that their school is even doing anything if the information didn't come home or that your child's not talking about it. So if you have... <laughs> You know, start talking about this and see what the school offers, because there may be more than you realize. Right. Absolutely. And, and if you ever have a question, it's always important to be in contact with your guidance counselor. The guidance counselor is so key, such a key person in walking you through that process throughout high school. And uh, there are a wealth of uh, information. So absolutely, I would encourage people to contact their guidance counselors. And then when they're getting closer to researching specific colleges, not to be, you know, do your research, review what's on the school's websites, but don't hesitate to reach out to the reps by email. Sometimes it, right now they're finishing up with uh, the application process. But for example, a month, two months ago, you know, it would probably take a couple of weeks for them to respond because they're so busy reviewing applications, but they will get back to you. They will. Okay. All right. Here's another thing that 
a lot of students are kind of nervous about, which is asking teachers for a recommendation, because that's another piece of the marketing package, as you call it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I think the biggest issue is, aside from like having to ask, is wondering, like, how do I make sure I get a strong recommendation? Because those are really valuable from my perspective. Um, So what did you learn about the recommendations? Yes. And again, as far as being a part of the package, the essay is your voice. The recommendation letter is someone else's voice about you. So to emphasize having each part of the application building on the next, don't be shy to ask a teacher to write about a specific incident. For example, you don't want the teacher to repeat what's already on your transcript. Johnny is an A-plus student. He was in my uh, DECA club, whatever. That's not going to help you. So it's very important not to select a teacher that's going to repeat what's on your activity sheet, what's on your, your transcript, or any other part of the essay. So what I would recommend that students do is don't be bashful when you're asking a teacher to write a letter of recommendation for you. If there's something that happened in that class, or perhaps this is a club advisor, maybe it was a humanitarian effort that you initiated. Maybe it's some initiative that you started in your class don't be shy to just ask the teacher if they could speak about that specific incident. I'll give you an example of some, because I write dozens of college (laughs) letters for students every year, and I've been doing it my entire career from when I was a teacher and, you know, now that I'm an administrator. One example that I wrote that stands out for me, I was in my office really early one morning, just checking email, doing paperwork, and a student just knocks on my door and says, hey, may I come in? I said, sure, come on in. And uh, I remember this like this for yesterday. And he says, I just found this and I want to make sure it goes back to the right person. And he puts on my desk a $100 bill. True story. You know, he just walks in. It's it's early in the morning. Period one did not start. Not too many people in the building. And he just put a $100 bill on my desk. And I thought, wow, what an amazing kid. You talk about integrity. So he didn't even ask. But I said to him, I'm going to write this letter for you. You know, when you're ready for college, I'm going to put this in a letter of recommendation. And that's what I did, because although he was involved in so many activities in school and he was highly academic, that was something that I think from the admission side is going to help you to really show that this is a special kid that has tremendous integrity. So, you know, not to say that everyone is going to find a hundred dollar bill and give it to their principal or to their teacher to get it to the rightful owner. But if something happened, you know, again, you took an initiative in a club, in class, ask the teacher if they could write about that specifically so that, again, you're not repeating what's on other parts. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, I think I've also heard that a lot of teachers will say, like, this is the, the best student I've ever had. Every person can't be. <laughs> so having some kind of anecdote, something that really happened is like more valuable. Yes. Yeah, that's 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 very good. OK, so I know students are well, the students who are waiting have already gone through this, but the students that are up and coming, the juniors you know, they're probably starting to get a little bit nervous. So can you tell us some common mistakes or misconceptions students make about this whole process that maybe would make them feel a little bit better? Sure, my pleasure. So first of all, it's important to note that there are over 4,000 colleges and universities in the United States alone. And there are a ton of great schools that are not on the rankings. For example, the top 10, 50, or even 100. 
do your research and find the right fit for you, not where your friends are going or where someone else thinks that you should go and consider whether you want to be close to home, far from home, in an urban, suburban or rural environment. Some people are fine with being an airplane ride away, while others are simply not. And again, there's there's no right answer. And that's the, the beauty of all of this is that there are over 4,000 choices. And it's important to note that there's a school for everyone, but not every school is for everyone. So you have to really do your research and find that place. I'll give you an example of my oldest daughter. Initially, she wanted to go to places like Penn State University, the University of Maryland. She thought she wanted big. She thought she wanted the rah-rah school. And I'm going to be honest with you, I had a great time visiting all of these schools with her. But she came to realize pretty quickly that, number one, she didn't want to be eight hours from home. She did not want to be in a huge lecture hall. And she realized that she wanted to be in a suburban environment, a smaller environment, which is why, as opposed to Penn State, which is an awesome school, she ended up at Fairfield University, another awesome school, but much smaller and closer to my home. So I would love to go back to college and go to a Penn State because, you know, I'm happy with being around thousands of people. I have no problem. But my daughter, who's a little bit more of an introvert, it wasn't for her. Initially, she thought it was. But she realized by going through that process that, gee, you know, what I thought I wanted is not what I want. So visiting is also very important. It's very hard to replicate the feel when you're on that campus in a virtual meeting or by looking at a brochure or a website. So, you know, another piece of advice is visit. I, I know it's hard. Sometimes students are considering schools that are on the other side of the country. But I would say if you can't visit before you apply, fine. But I would highly recommend visiting before you actually matriculate. No, I, I totally agree. So in talking about visiting, what would you say would be some good questions for students to ask when they are visiting so they can actually get some valuable information? Because they all, you know, if you go to a lot of these tours and so forth, they start to kind of all seem the same. Right. There's the typical ask about majors, minors, research opportunities, internships, ask about job opportunities. You know, I could tell you my own daughters are always asking me for spending money and I tell them get a job and there are jobs on campus where they can make some extra money. But a lot of questions that you should ask related to things like student to faculty ratio, but not initially only. Does that change over the four years? Uh, same thing with average class size. Does that change over the four years? You know, I went to Stony Brook, which was a large school. So when I was a freshman, I actually took courses in lecture halls. But then when I started getting really deep into my major, it was actually smaller than my high school class. Students want to know about the social life. So don't be bashful to ask about Greek life. What do students do after class? What do they do on the weekends? And it's very important, yes, to do the tour and to listen to the tour guides who are phenomenal. I've been on so many tours with both of my daughters. But it's equally important after the tour to talk to students on the campus just randomly. What do you think of the professors? Do you commute? Is this a commuter school? Do students stay on campus on the weekend? But also look at the outside community off campus. Maybe go to a local coffee shop, go to a restaurant, and just talk to random students that are there so that these are people that are just there as students and they're not trained like the tour guides are to really uh, show you the best. The other thing that I want to caution students to do is to beware of the false sense of comfort when you visit schools. And what I mean by that is 
we had so much fun visiting with our daughters because, you know, what it looks like is you usually show up, you go on a tour in the morning, it's two hours, they give you, you know, a little lecture, you do a tour, you see dorms, you see all of that stuff. And then mom and dad take you to a nice lunch or a nice dinner and everything is wonderful. And what students need to realize is that you might feel comfortable because you're there with your parents, but beware of that false sense of comfort. And advice to parents here is give your students, give your children 20 minutes on their own when you're doing that campus visit, because it's very important for them on their own to see and ask themselves very simply, do I see myself here for the next four years? So to just give them that space during the tour, I think could be very helpful, you know, in the overall process and to help you determine whether or not a school is the right fit for you or not. Uh, that's really good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely out talking to people who aren't part of the, you know, the administration or they aren't selling the school. <laughs> it's a good idea. Try, you know, try some, you know, real information and ask those questions that maybe you would be embarrassed to ask in front of a group of people. So I think that that's, that's super good advice. You've given us so much great advice. I know that this has been really helpful in closing, is there anything that maybe we missed that any kind of tips that you'd like to pass on to the parents? We've covered a lot. So I'll repeat a few and maybe there's some new ones. I do agree with the fact that you should start early. You really should start early so that that'll give you the opportunity again to cultivate your transcript, cultivate the activity sheet and really take your time doing the research. Stay organized. A simple piece of advice like students, create a separate email address for your college process, because many of you have old email addresses, you're probably receiving tons of spam mail, things get lost, as we all know, with email. So if you're starting the process fresh, create a new email. If you use Google like I do, very important to have an, a Google account and use the folders, use the Google Docs, Google Sheets, what have you, to stay organized. When you visit a school, what did you like? What didn't you like? What were your impressions? It's very important to almost create a journal. So you can write a journal or if you want to do it on a spreadsheet, whatever you would prefer. But those are little pieces of advice that I would give if, you know, I had to go through it again, even uh, for myself. The other thing is focus on fit for you. Again, don't worry about where your friends are going. Stop worrying about rankings. You know, we all know what the top 50 schools are. But again, there are over 4,000 schools in the United States alone. And if you listen to the episodes on the podcast, there's a lot of gems. Be open-minded and take your time with the research and believe that you're gonna find the right fit for you because you definitely will. And remember, there is a school for everyone, but not every school is the right fit for every student. So take your time, do your research, and try to have fun doing it. I mean, I definitely had a great time with my kids. It was so much fun to uh, visit campuses. And uh, and here I am, you know, one's a, a, a senior, one's a sophomore, and I'm still involved because I loved it so much. And I created this, uh, this podcast. And it's just a blessing because I know I'm helping a lot of students and their parents. So thank you so much, Dale. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, I thank you very much. And I'm sure everyone listening does as well. And we're going to put in the comments how to find your podcast so they can actually start listening to some. And I think it will be really valuable for people who are researching colleges to list to reps from those colleges and see if you can see differences in their 
what they emphasize and what the philosophy is of the school that may, may help you as you're making decisions where to apply. Well, I appreciate that. And one of the things that a listener actually suggested is that I come up with an alphabetical list of all of the schools that are available. And so I have that. And to the right is the audio link to each episode. And so the beauty of that is that it's almost like walking into a virtual college fair, if you will, where on demand, because it's a podcast, so you may listen as you wish, you could listen to these conversations where, again, each rep talks about their school gives insight into that process. I mean, they really go deep about, you know, percentage of students that apply and that are admitted that didn't submit test scores to essays that, you know, really stood out for them. And then ultimately, the last question is always, what are your top three pieces of advice for students and parents? And what's great about these conversations is that if you hear a conversation, for example, on, I don't know, Carnegie Mellon, right, which is one of the many schools that I have on the podcast, when you meet that rep, on campus or at a college fair, hopefully the conversation will prompt you to ask them better questions. And these are the people that are going to be reviewing your applications. These are the, these are, this is direct from the people that ultimately make the decisions. So again, I can't thank you enough. I'll give you a link to that alphabetical list as well. Dale, you're awesome. I really appreciate you putting this together. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you everybody for listening and um, we'll see you another time. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.